Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome to Coastal Community Church. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're watching online, uh, thank you for tuning in. We're in week two of the series called At The Movies, and uh, what we do with this series is that we use popular or current movies uh, as a hook uh, to talk about spiritual truth, and then we do what we always do here at Coastal. Uh, We open up the Word of God and proclaim God's truth. And uh, what's interesting is that weeks ago, Literally weeks ago, as we were planning out this series and then picking out the movies, we did have to make a a little shift because obviously nobody is going to the movie theater, Uh, but we were picking out these movies, uh, the subject matter, uh, weeks ago, and we decided that we were going to use this movie and this day uh, to talk about racism. Uh, Actually, before all of the events unfolded as they did uh, in our community uh, and in our nation. And so I know that God is going to use today in a very, very powerful way. And I'm excited uh, to uh, introduce and announce that our our special guest speaker today uh, is Chris Singleton. And uh, Chris Singleton's mom, uh, yeah, Um, Chris Singleton's mom uh, was murdered uh, five years ago this week. Uh, at Mother Emanuel AME Church. And I'm going to let him uh, tell a little bit more about his story, and I don't want to take any more, any more of his time. So do me a favor again, if you don't mind, uh, give us a round of applause for Chris Singleton, our speaker today. Thanks, Chris. Man, this is, this is an honor. This is, this is really cool. I'll tell you, I knew it was going to be a good day when I drove here this morning. I saw Hardee's, right? And when I saw Hardee's, I haven't had Hardee's since I used to work at Chuck E. Cheese in high school. And so I knew it was going to be a good day. I had a good chicken biscuit. Uh, While they were practicing the worship, I was over there munching down. So I hope they don't think I'm rude, but I was crushing my food. Um, But it's going to be a good day. I'm honored to be here today. You know, I I usually travel and speak across the country about love, about unity. Over the last couple months, man, I haven't been able to do so. Been at home, done some Zoom calls here and there. But I'm glad to be back in front of people sharing my love for people and my love for Jesus. So first of all, I get asked this question all the time. Chris, you know, why do you speak so much? You're on the road. You got a a young family. You know, what is that passion that keeps you going forward? And I answer that question the same way every single time. There's five numbers that, that pushes me forward. When I'm on the road, when I miss my two year old son. Miss my family. These five numbers keep me pushing forward to keep this message going. It's 1, 70, 50, 9, and 1. You see, one person was misled and mistaught to hate people that look like me. And so what this one person did was he walked in my church and he fired over 70 bullets. And while people were holding hands and praying... Over 50 of those entered bodies in my church. And this man took nine lives, and one of those lives was my mom, Sharonda Ann Coleman Singleton, the hardest working woman I ever met in my life. And so when they asked me, Chris, why do you do what you do? It's easy because it happened to me directly. Not a video game, not something you just see on TV. This happened to me in real life. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. The second thing, they say, Chris, you're so young, man, what are you, 23, 24? Yeah, I'm 24 years old, right? 
I understand that because we know that with time comes wisdom, but I believe also with experience comes wisdom. And the only thing that I share about is something that I've experienced myself. Also, neither one of my parents didn't get to see 50. They weren't lucky enough, blessed enough, fortunate enough to see 50. Grandparents on both sides, grandmother, grandfather on this side, grandmother, grandfather on that side. Nobody saw 60 years old. And so when I tell somebody, yes, I'm 24, but my life may be halfway over, I'm not just blowing smoke when I say that. It's real life for me. That's why I know I've got to make an impact right here and right now. And I'm so thankful that Pastor Chris has given me the opportunity to share. And I was watching this movie, man. Did anybody else watch the movie? Raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie. Let me. Okay, well, if not, let me make sure I get their names right, okay? But I was watching this movie just like everybody else. And I saw it, and obviously, you know, you may be thinking about the main character, uh, Brian Stevenson and, and, and Walter McMillan. Walter McMillan was, was falsely accused of, of killing an 18-year-old uh, girl. Falsely accused of it, right? They, they, I think they put him on death row without trial. And I'm thinking, that is crazy. And Brian Stevenson is the one that fights for her, I mean, for him. Tries to prove that he's innocent, right? And you saw how they were saying, if you go in there digging for this stuff, you're going to uh, hurt a lot of people, even though this man was innocent. And you may be thinking those are the main characters, but me and my life, it's a little different. I, I think about somebody else when I watch this movie. But before I share that, I have to share my faith with you guys. 24 years old, and I, I feel like I'm on fire on my faith right now, but I haven't always been that way. Now, I grew up in a church. Anybody else grew up in a church? Let me see if you grew up in a church. Let me see if you grew up in a church like me. Okay. See, I grew up in a church, so I just thought God was real just because my mom was always praying to God, right? I figured that the God had to be real if my grandma was always singing about him, right? I figured that, but I didn't have a personal relationship with God. I wasn't praying myself. I wasn't reading the, the Bible for myself. I just figured God was real because he had to be. And my freshman year of college, all that kind of changed for me. You know, I was actually headed on a bus uh, to play a big school in South Carolina. Now I went to Charleston Southern right around the corner, and it's a mid-major college, so we play the big schools every now and then. We play the big schools like Georgia, maybe West Virginia, uh, schools like that every now and then, but not every single week. So when we do, it's the highlight of our season. This game, we were headed to Clemson University. We got any Clemson fans in here? Let me see. Raise your hands. Okay, we got, always got Clemson fans now. I want to see who, where were they at before, when, before they start winning, right? Oh, he said right here. I know that. But check this out. We were headed to Clemson University, right? And I'll tell you where I was at in my faith, right? I figured God was real, but I figured he was like Santa Claus, right? I was going to be the nice list, not the naughty list. God was going to bless me whatever I asked for. That's who I thought God was. Looked over at one of my buddies, Brandon Burris, BB. He's writing a scripture on his wrist. Now you guys see some athletes write scripture on their wrist. You ever seen Tim Tebow? Raise your hand if you've seen Tim Tebow. Let me see. So I was like, okay, cool. If I write a scripture on my wrist, God's going to give me superpowers like Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow, that's what I thought. And so I found a scripture, Proverbs 24, 10. I think we're going to put it up. And I saw this scripture. And the scripture read, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And I saw this scripture, right? And I was like, this is perfect for me. This is perfect for baseball. Because baseball is a tough sport. They say if you're successful, three out of ten times you're a Hall of Famer. And so I wrote this scripture on my wrist, on my glove, on my bat. I wrote it everywhere. And I prayed. I said, God, I know you're up there because Grandma's always singing about you. I know you're up because my mom's always praying, but Lord, help me, you know, bless me with a good game. Maybe a couple hits, diving catch. 
Most of all, help us beat Clemson University for the first time in school history. That was my prayer, word for word, right? It wasn't nothing super spiritual. That was my prayer. Boom. I said, God, if you do that, I'll give you all the glory. I promise you, it's you, not me. He played that game against Clemson. I had the best game of my career. I've been fortunate enough to play in the minor leagues, got drafted by the Cubs. And even to this day, that was the best game I've ever had in my life. I had four hits, two RBIs to help us beat, win the game, a diving catch to end it. And like I said, it was the first time we ever beat Clemson in school history. And so, of course, the reporters are coming up after the game. Chris, how'd you do it? I said, hey, man, all I know is this God guy's got to be real. That's what I said. And I, I was superstitious. Now, baseball players are weird, okay? If we have any former baseball players or current baseball players, you know you're weird, right? And so I was superstitious. So I wrote the same script, scripture on my wrist, on my glove, my bat, every single game after that. I thought it was for baseball, but I later realized that God gave me that scripture for three months later on June 17th. On June 17th, when I got a call on my phone from my mom, but the lady wasn't my mom. Rushed me down to downtown Charleston. And I was introduced to somebody who said, Chris, your mom, she got shot. They put me in this big open room. People are screaming, crying, praying, all the above. And I'm sitting there and I remembered this scripture. And that's when I knew God didn't give it to me for baseball. As I'm sitting in this chair, I remember a lady who introduced herself as the coroner. Now I'm 18 years old. I don't know who the coroner is or what they do. Why would I need to know? I didn't know. But she asked me a question I'll never forget. She said, Chris, can you describe your mom? I'm thinking, describe my mom if somebody told me she got shot. You're telling me it's that bad? You can't tell me what person my mom is anymore? Now I have to describe her? But I started thinking, you know what, my mom's a fighter. She's from Newark, New Jersey. I said, okay, they're just trying to make sure my mom got it okay. I described my mom, everything about her. This lady told me, I'm sorry to tell you this, but your mom has been taken away from you tonight. I had to tell my 12-year-old little brother, Caleb, my 15-year-old little sister, Cameron, we would never see our mom ever again. Never see her smile never get a hug from her, never get a kiss on the cheek after a game ever again, all because somebody was taught and misinformed to hate black people. And as I'm watching this movie, Just Mercy, guys, the main character for me isn't uh, Mr. McMillan. It isn't Brian Stevenson, the lawyer. For me, it's the officer. You see, there's an officer, when the lawyer comes in the first time to meet with his client, he makes them strip, and he makes them get strip searched. And then Mr. Stevens says, hey, I'm a lawyer. You don't, you don't, you don't do this to me. Like, I, I don't get strip searched. I'm a lawyer. And he says, if you want to meet your client, you're going to do it. You see, this man was racist. And he, made, and he made him do something disgusting that he didn't have to do. I'm thinking to myself, man, this is where his head was at. And the reason why he's the, the most uh, vital person in this movie for me is because he had a heart change. Later on, they basically prove that he's innocent in the trial. And afterwards, they go outside and, and the same officer that was disgusting to black people in the beginning, he says, you know what? We got some extra time. If you want to see your family, you can. He had a heart change. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I knew uh, when he was racist at first, 
He knew that was wrong. But he had a heart change. And I think there's only two ways you can have a heart change. Either you experience something that makes you change your heart or you've been taught the right thing. I'm going to share a story from each of those instances. You see, I travel and, and speak all the time about love, about unity. And I was actually speaking at a diversity conference uh, up in Michigan, right? The middle of nowhere, Michigan. I knew it was the middle of nowhere because they asked me, Chris, do you want to eat our game lunch? I said, okay, I, what are we playing, Jenga? Like, what do you mean, game lunch? They said, no, we're going to eat game. I said, what do you mean, eat the games? Like, come on now. So oh, we got some boar, we got some squirrels. I was thinking, first of all, you can't eat squirrels, can you? You're going to jail. But apparently you can, right? So we had squirrels. It's not for me. But it was a diversity conference, and I ended up you know, speaking, and we opened up for question and answer. But a guy, he, he stood up, and he didn't ask me a question. He looked at me. He said, Chris, I used to be racist like the man that murdered your mom. That's what this man told me. I used to be racist like the man that murdered your mom. And I asked him, I said, well, where did that come from? He said, well, man, my, my father, you know, he was that way. Growing up, my uncles were that way. My, my grandfather was definitely that way. He said, my older cousins who I looked up to, oh, they were definitely that way, Chris. And so in turn, that's, that's the way that I was. I said, okay, I knew, I knew I was fighting up against that, people being taught the wrong thing for after generation after generation. But I said, well, what changed? Because you said you used to be racist like the man that murdered my mom, but, but you're not now. He said, no, Chris, not at all. I said, well, what changed? He said, well, Chris, uh, I got a granddaughter now, and she ain't, she ain't white. I said, okay, that makes a little bit of sense, huh? Somebody comes into your family that's not white. But he said, no, Chris, don't get me wrong. I hated my daughter for it. How can she do this to me? How can she disrespect me like this? This is what this man said. Everybody's looking at him. I'm at this, this conference. Everybody's staring at him now. And he's standing up, and he's actually crying when he tells me this. And he said, Chris, it pains me to think that people are going to say things to her and think things about her that I would have said and thought to people that look just like her. He said, I knew, never knew I could love somebody as much as I love this little girl. And I kept thinking. That life experience changed his heart. It changed his heart. And he wasn't born with that. He was taught it. Another instance, I was playing professional baseball, right, drafted by the Cubs. We got any Cubs fans in here? Let me see. I got to have one Cubs fan in here. We got about three, okay? My favorite three people right there. One, two, three. So I got drafted by the Cubs. Let me tell you guys a little something, okay? This is going to inform you, okay? Because I got I to gotta preface it by saying this, okay? There's a minor leagues and there's a major leagues, okay? I'm going to tell you all the difference, okay? I got drafted by the Cubs, which is major leagues, but I played in the minor leagues, okay? Difference is major leagues, a lot of money, okay? Say that with me. Major leagues, a lot of money. Minor leagues, little money, okay? Major leagues, minor leagues. Okay, I was over here, little money. We got it? Had to tell my family that when I got drafted, right? Minor leagues, little money. 
And so I was playing and my, my agent calls me up, says, Chris, I got somewhere, some place for you to stay and it's going to be free. That's what he told me. I said, well, free? You know, I lost both of my parents. I got my sister, my brother at home. I got a little baby boy. My wife is at the house, right? And I'm minor leagues, little money. I said, free? You got to sign me up. And so he said, well, Chris, I didn't tell you where you're going to be staying. You're going to be staying at St. Paul's Retirement Community. I said, what the heck is that? Retirement community? I was like, like a nursing home? He said, oh, don't, don't call it that. They don't like that. <laughs> and so I stayed there, St. Paul's Retirement Community up in South Bend, Indiana. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. Right? I don't have, I didn't have, I don't have grandparents, right? My parents are gone. But when I walked in there, they had this big blown up poster of me. Welcome, grandson. We love you. It was awesome, man. I would wake up in the morning, they had brownies on my door, <laughs> cookies at my door. People were asking me, what you want me to make you? I'm like, wow, right? But they would always ask me all these questions, but one day I said, let me ask you guys some questions. I wanted to know about racism back then, when they were growing up. People are 80, 90, 100 plus years old that I was interviewing. And there's one interview I'll never forget. Her name was Esther. She was 85 years young. About this tall, real short. She had white hair, right? It wasn't even gray. She was a very beautiful, uh, I won't say old, because she, she don't like me calling her old. She was a very beautiful, uh, uh, wise woman, right? Now, I was asking her questions. I was asking her questions back and forth, back and forth. I wanted to know about her life. What's changed for the good? What's changed for the bad? And, and halfway through, she stopped me, and she said, Chris, I got to tell you about my great-grandbabies. I said, okay. She pulls out her phone, 85 years young, had a smartphone, right? I was like, wow. Pulled out her phone, and she said, they're twins. They're little great-grandbabies. There was one black and one white. And I'm not stupid now. I know, hey. I said, hey, if one's black, one's white, how are they twins? And she was waiting on that, y'all. She was waiting. Well, let me tell you the story, Chris. She said, uh, when my grandson was supposed to have twins, one passed away at birth. They adopted this little black baby girl into their home, raised her up. They're about seven, eight years old now, and this is what they look like. I said, oh, man, that's amazing. But I said, that sounded like this show called This Is Us. You see, for some reason in my mind, Grandma E was 85, so I, I figured she might have been watching TV and thought that was her own life, right? I was thinking something was going on. But I said, Grandma E, is that This Is Us? She said, sweetie, I don't watch TV. I said, yes, ma'am. We kept interviewing back and forth, back and forth again. She, she stops me again. Chris, I got to tell you what they call themselves. What do they call themselves, Grandma E? She said, chocolate and vanilla ice cream. I said, that is beautiful. But you know, I speak to these schools and some kids get bullied. Like, why, why do they call themselves chocolate and vanilla ice cream? Are they licking themselves? They're like, what's going on? I want to know. She said, no, Chris, I taught them that. I said, Grandma E, why would you teach them to call themselves chocolate and vanilla ice cream? Why would you teach them to call themselves that? I said, Chris, I wanted them to know, although they're different on the outside, she said, on the inside where it truly counts, they're just as sweet. And immediately when Grandma E told me that story, I knew I would never forget it. Because I kept thinking, I wish my mother's killer would have had a grandma like Grandma E. 
I wish he would have had somebody tell him, hey, Chris may be double dark chocolate, extra brownies, right? That's me. And you may be vanilla, strawberry, pistachio, or that weird flavor, mint chocolate everybody likes. But when we celebrate that, instead of condemning it, that's when we see real change. And lately, over the last couple of weeks, people have been hitting me up. Chris, what can I do? What can I do? I want to I wanna help. What, what can I do personally? I think there's really three things you can do to start. First, you got to check your heart. You look in the mirror and say, why do I believe the, way I, the things that I believe? Or do I have some prejudice or, or, or racism in my heart? Like, check your heart. That's the first thing you can do. The second thing is teach your family. I need some more grandma E's in here. Right, because if we're not teaching them, then what are they learning? The last thing is simple, it's to love your neighbor. Doesn't say love the neighbor that looks like you. Doesn't say love the neighbor that has the same hair texture as you or the same language as you, it simply says love your neighbor. That is my challenge to you all. Now, I'm going to share one more thing. You know, I watched this movie with my wife. I absolutely loved it. And the ending brought tears to my eyes. And every time I look at some, some years ago when I would see, you know, racism or, you know, when, we, when I would look at movies about slavery or read about slavery, it breaks my heart. And I keep thinking, we've come so far from where we used to be, but we still have a long ways to go. The fact that I'm up here sharing about how somebody killed my mom because she's black should all tell us that, hey, we still got some work to do. And this last quote that I'm sharing with you guys is from Jackie Robinson. Raise your hand if you know who Jackie Robinson is. If not, you got to meet me outside, okay? We're going to keep six feet, but I'm going to tell you all about them. Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier, okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. He broke the color barrier. It was all white before Jackie Robinson came in. Boom. Now we got a super diverse MLB, tons of Latin players, right? We got players from all over the world. But the reason why I love this quote from Jackie Robinson is not just because Jackie Robinson said it. It's because one of my heroes, who you may or may not know, posted this quote on his Instagram the same day he was murdered. His name is Taiwanza Sanders not even 30 years old when his life was taken away the same day that my mom's life was taken away. I say he's a hero because Taiwanza Sanders, he stood up in my church when the misled and misinformed individual, Dylan Roop, was firing bullets in my church, real life. He stood up after he'd been shot by one of these bullets. And he looks at the killer and he says, you don't have to do this. He said, we mean you no harm. You don't have to do it. Pleading with him to stop taking lives based on the color of their skin. And the man that was mistaught, misinformed, and miseducated, he looked at Taiwan's and he said, yes, I do, and he took his life. The reason why I say Taiwan's is a hero is because under a table was his mother hiding. Under a table was his little cousin hiding. 
And both of them are still living to this day. And I guarantee it's because Taiwan is a hero. And he posted this quote the same exact day he was murdered, not two weeks, not two months. And it's not a coincidence to me. The quote is, one life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. Again, one life is not important except in the impact it has on other lives. So today I hope and pray that I've made an impact in yours. And you guys go into your homes and you teach like Grandma E. And you love people no matter what their race, religion, or skin color is. And you'll make an impact in mine. Thank you guys so much. Thank you so much, uh, Chris. Very uh, powerful message. Uh, check your heart, teach your, teach your kids, um, and love your neighbor. Um, something that we can all uh, start today. Uh, Coastal, this uh, next song we're going to sing, it's the very uh, last song of our service. And here at Coastal, we call it uh, our response time. And uh, we want to give you just a moment during this song uh, just to respond, however God might be leading you today. You know, maybe uh, you need a moment to, uh, to do exactly that, to check your heart. Uh, you know, just to go to God and um, ask Him about maybe biases that you have, you know, that you haven't really examined. Um, you know, think about your family and what you're teaching them. You know, racism is, uh, is taught and caught. Um, our kids are watching us, and they see what we do and what we say. They're listening. Um, and love your neighbor. You know, here at Coastal, right now, Pastor Scott talked about this a moment ago, we have uh, such a great opportunity right now to go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus uh, to serve and to love uh, our community through Summer of Impact. So I hope you'll do that. Um, you know, one uh, interesting thing that stood out to me in the movie, uh, the lawyer, Brian Stevenson, at the very end, um, he's before a committee, I believe in Congress, and he basically says, hey, at some point, everybody, we're all going to need justice. Uh, we all need mercy, and we all need grace. And you know what's, uh, what stood out to me about that is that Jesus Christ satisfies all those things. Listen, we're all criminals. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. We have all wronged God. But here's the great and good news. Jesus Christ took all the justice that you deserve on the cross. He died for all of our sin, all of our shame, the very worst thing you've ever done. He took it to the cross. And then as a result of that, if you will place your faith and your trust in him and him alone and what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection, you have mercy. You have grace. And that is what we all need. And we need that ourselves. And then we are simply conduits of that grace and mercy to the world around us. And so during this last song, we encourage you, uh, maybe it's a time of repentance for you. Uh, maybe it's a time of prayer. Maybe it's a time of communion. 
In fact, for those of you who are uh, believers in the seat right in front of you, in the right-hand little corner, the, uh, right below the seat in front of you, there's a little communion cup with the elements of communion. We encourage you to take a moment during this next song and to, to worship the Lord and to thank Him uh, for His sacrifice on the cross by taking communion. We'd also encourage you to, uh, to fill out that online connect card and uh, let us know about any decisions that you might have made today. Uh, maybe you would like to serve. Maybe you would like to get involved in Summer of Impact and to love your neighbor in a practical way. Maybe you'd like to get baptized today uh, at the beach. Maybe today is the day that you gave your life to Christ. We'd like to come alongside you and uh, celebrate with you and uh, help you take those next steps. So I'm going to pray. And when I say amen, uh, you can stand and worship. Uh, you can sit and pray. You can take the Lord's Supper. Uh, you can fill out your Connect card, all those things. And then after the service is over, we encourage everyone to uh, make their way outside. We've kind of been encouraging people here at Coastal uh, over the last couple of weeks to, uh, you know, to make your way outside as quickly as possible um, as we have a team that will come back in and uh, get the room prepared for the next service. And you can fellowship and uh, maybe talk to Chris uh, outside. We can maybe have a co conversation with him about that Clemson game because I'm uh, not exactly sure what happened there. But uh, anyway, um, anyway, do me a favor. Bow your heads and... Um, Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this day and this moment. And uh, Chris is right. We have come a long way, but we've got a, a lot of work to do. And um, Father, sometimes you know, we get overwhelmed that we can't, you know, we, we see the news and we think, man, I can't, I can't do anything. You know, I can't change that. Father, remind us that, um, you know, change starts right here with one person. And Father, look no further than this group of people right here today. Use us today in a powerful way. God, I pray that uh, we would check our own heart. We would listen and learn. We would open our, our eyes and our hearts to see people the way you do. And um, Father, I pray uh, that we would teach our children that uh, what really matters is not the color of your skin. It's not the language that you speak. It's a heart. Um, Father, remind us that uh, ultimately, um, you know, you tell us that in your word that that is what matters. And that, that only you can really see our heart. But God, give us eyes to, to see. And um, Father, I pray that we would... Um, reach out and love and serve all people and that we would be the change that we're wanting to see in the world, that we would be the change right here and right now. And listen, maybe you're here in this room or you're watching online and um, you know, you're ready to come home. You're ready to give your life to Christ. Uh, you admit it, you know, you're a sinner, you've made mistakes, you've done things that you're ashamed of, and you carry that, that burden around. Listen, don't walk out of here today carrying that burden any further, any longer. Our God loves you, and he's been waiting for you to come home. You're not here today by mistake or accident. Um, he's ready. Just pray something like this right now. To your Heavenly Father, I admit it. 
I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I've made mistakes. I've done things I'm ashamed of. Father, I've, I've had religion. I've, uh, I've played that game. But as Chris said, I, I really didn't know you. I didn't have a relationship with you. I humbly admit all that. But today, Father, I say, I declare that I believe. I believe that Jesus is real. I believe that he went to the cross for me and my sin. And as much as I know how, as much as I understand, I believe that he rose from the dead and he is alive. And I put my faith and my trust in him and him alone. And for the rest of my days, God, until you come again or call me home, I just want to follow him. And Father, today I pray for our community. I pray for our nation. I pray for peace. Um, I pray for change. I pray that we would be the voice for the voiceless. That we would speak up for injustice. And we would love our fellow man. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for Jesus and for the grace that we experience. Help us to share that with the world around us. We love you, and I pray these things today in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.